Hey, can we give it up just a little bit for that worship team, for Solomon, Stephanie, and, and is it Astra, as I say, right? No, it's okay to clap loud. They were awesome. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, I about said, hey, you guys just sing, and I'll speak another day. I was getting my worship on. That was awesome. Good for you. Well, let me say thanks for allowing me to be here and to share with you. Um, as you heard in the intro, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be from a small rural town. That rural town is Sterling, America. So thanks for allowing me to come home uh, today and share with you guys. I don't get home near enough, but when I do, I love it. I love coming back home. Uh, the main reason is I get to spend a lot of time with my heroes and best friends, my mom, my dad, my two older sisters, my brother-in-law, my nephew. So it's always fun for me to get home. So thanks for allowing me to do that. Thanks for inviting me to come and share. Two things I want to say tonight, then we're going to pray, and we'll flat get with it. Two things I want to say tonight, then we'll pray, and then we'll flat get with it. I have the opportunity to travel all over the country. Um, you heard that in the intro. I'm a public speaker. I get to travel all over the country and, and deliver messages on a variety of different topics. So this summer I was in New Mexico and I spoke to about 2,000 young leaders on leadership for about 75 minutes. And I want you to know uh, that I believe in a message of leadership. It's important. Uh, this summer I got to train the Wells Fargo customer service agents on customer service. And I want you to know that there's a time and there's a place for customer service training. I was excited to be able to present that message. I get to go to high schools and work with anti-bullying and effective communication, do faculty and staff trainings all over the country. But I'm most excited to be right here on this stage tonight because tonight I get to share something that makes effective communication and leadership and motivation and customer service. It makes it feel a very distant second. So I want to say thanks for allowing me to come and share my faith because when I think about a carpenter's son who hung on a cross at Calvary so that you and I could enter in a real and raw and awesome relationship, those other messages seem far secondary. When I get to think about a risen Jesus who died an unwarranted murder on the cross so that we would have an opportunity, that we could accept the invitation for him to reign and rule in an authentic way in our life, I get all bumped up about that. So I usually tell people, hey, when I'm in the public setting, I didn't come to preach or teach. I just came to share. I'm going to tell you, I came to do all three tonight, and I fired up about it. So thanks for allowing me to be here. You know, when I, when I, I, I heard about the opportunity to maybe come and share, that was all the way last year. The AD reached out to me and said, hey, we'd like to maybe have you come and share in a chapel with some of our students. And then Christian called me, and we emailed back and forth, and we couldn't find a date last year that worked. And so literally for about four, five, six months, I've been praying for our time tonight. So understand that out of all the places you could have been tonight, out of the social groups you could be at, out of the studying you could be doing, whatever it is, when I said studying, everybody laughed, that was weird, um, but out of all the things that you could be doing, you're here tonight, and I want you to know that our short, brief time tonight, it won't be about Dustin James Guy, and I hope it's not about you. We won't even make it about Sterling College, we'll make it about Jesus, and that'll be awesome. I've invited the Holy Spirit to come and just take over, and I'll just be a vehicle tonight, and I hope that you will too and be excited about it. So that's number one. Number two, I want you to know this. Some of you in here tonight, uh, you, you have a real and raw and deep relationship with Jesus. 
You've surrendered your life. You're walking in faith. I want you to know that this message I have tonight, this message is for you. Some of you, you're here. You didn't know Sterling existed. You didn't come here because it was a Christian college. You came here because you got a basketball or a football scholarship or volleyball scholarship. You got a, a, a drama scholarship, a band scholarship. You, you got the best financial aid. You don't even know how you got here, but you're here, and you're not really sure where you're at in your walk and this relationship with this guy, Jesus, I want you to know this message is for you. Some of you, this is the first time you've ever been in, in a setting where we're talking about Jesus, or maybe you're just like, hey, I've heard it before, but I don't really believe it. And I'm saying, hey, welcome here. This message is for you. And wherever you're at on that continuum, just know that you're welcome in this place tonight. Just know that whatever baggage you brought in the door, know that you're welcome in this place tonight. No matter what worry you brought through that door, you're welcome. What burden you brought through that door, what victory you brought through that door, you're welcome in this place tonight. And this message is tailor-made for you because I've been praying for five, six months that the Holy Spirit would take over tonight. So thanks for being here. Let's pray, all right? Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. And, and here's the great news. We know that you love us, and there's not one thing we can do about that. Lord, we love you, but I know that you love us, and there's not one thing we can do about that. Lord, I thank you. For Sterling College, I thank you for the ability to come home. I thank you for such a wealthy household with a mom and dad and, and sisters that I call heroes and best friends. Thanks for allowing me to be back. And Lord, thanks for allowing me to be back with an unbelievable message. Thanks for allowing me to be back with an invitation for these young people to, to surrender or further surrender their daily life to you. Lord, be with us in our time of worship. Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Man, let him take over. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, I want to I talk just briefly about some things that are going on in my life. This past Wednesday, and it's okay to clap, well, I just celebrated three years of marriage with that lady. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. No. No, she does not have vision problems, okay? She knew exactly what she was getting into. Last week I showed this picture in Oklahoma. There were 2,000 young kids. I put that up and somebody yelled, liar. I was like, hurtful. I'm here. I can hear you. But my wife and I celebrated three years this past Wednesday. Three years of marriage this past Wednesday. And I, I, I've got to tell you the story about how we met my wife. By the way, my wife's name is Marissa. I call her Riz, Rizzy, Rue, Ruby Doo, just to name a few, all right? Uh, those are my nicknames for her. She calls me Dustin, which is awesome and fun, right? So uh, Riz, I got to tell you how I met her. Riz went to Heston College as a student. I didn't really know her during that time. Um, and then she left school, and then she came back. She came back to, to go to nursing school. And so one summer in the gymnasium, there's a summer league ball game going on. And I'd always seen this, this, this Marissa, and I, I chatted with her a couple times, just passing uh, ways. And I always thought she was great. And I, I noticed her family thought they were awesome. And sure enough, I'm at a summer league basketball game, and, and Marissa, Riz, Rizzy, Rue, Ruby Doo, she's working the game clock. And her mom's with her. And so I go in the office, I pump out like 50 push-ups, you know what I'm saying? Try and look swole. I walk right up to her and I'm like, hey, how are you? How's your summer been? And I'm just, I'm spitting mad game and she's having none of it. She's like, I'm fine. And I was like, well, you know, how are things going? Has your summer been busy? And she's like, oh, it's been okay. And then her mom's sitting there. And so I say to her mom, her mom's name, Brenda, I was like, Brenda, how are you? How's your summer been? She said, oh, Dustin. She said, it's been such a great summer. 
She said, we've really just enjoyed a nice, relaxing summer. She said, we've been doing a lot of barbecuing. She said, matter of fact, we're going to have a barbecue this week. And I said, yeah, I'd love to come. Thanks for the invite. And that happened. That Saturday, I go to Rizzy's house. I meet with her, her mom, her dad. We're having a barbecue. I stay for like two and a half hours, probably two and a half hours too long, right? But I'm asking a ton of questions. We're getting to know each other. We end, and I go up to her mom, give her a big hug. Oh, thanks so much for the meal. Mmm, that's wonderful, Mrs. Vermillion. Thank you. Go to her dad, straighten up. Pappy Vermillion, put my hand out there. Hey, good to meet you, sir. Wonderful household. You know what I'm saying? Thanks for allowing me to be a part of dinner. Then I go to Marissa. And I'm going in for the big, you know, hi. And she's like this. And we kind of end up doing this side hip deal. And it was awkward. And so I drive home. The whole time I'm driving home, I'm thinking hard about her. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just, I, she's amazing. And I've got a lot I want to say. So I get home and I do the mature thing. I text her. And uh, I put like a three-chapter thing. You're so awesome. It was great meeting you. Loved your family. Thanks so much for letting me, you know, spend time with you guys. She does not text back a paragraph, no. She doesn't send back a a sentence, no. She doesn't send back a couple words. She sends back three letters, T-H-X, thanks, and that's it. And for the next three months, I'm in straight creeper mode. I'm calling her, texting her, emailing her, right? And, And for three months, three months, she doesn't respond. Every time I call her, straight to voicemail. So the basketball season starts. That year we went 21-11, we ranked 25, 18, 17, number seven in the country. We had the third leading scorer in the country. Kittle led the country in threes, both of them playing overseas right now. We had a great team. And so after our first game, we won, and I called her, and I knew she wasn't going to pick up. But I called her, and I left her this voicemail. I said, hey, thanks so much for your call and your voicemail congratulating us on our first win. I thought the guys played really well. I thought I coached okay, but again, thanks Thanks for your voicemail. I appreciate it. Hung up the phone. Three seconds later, it rings. It's Rizzy. She says, I didn't call you. And I said, I know. How are you? Huh? <laughs> Straight boss move. That happened. By the way, she doesn't, she doesn't talk like that. It just adds flavor to the story. So go with me. So we talked that night. And our next home game, she came to the whole game. She stayed after the game. She gave me the look. We chatted. And then she shot me a text that night. And she said, is this just you being friendly or something more? How many of you in this room right now? Raise your hands. How many of you have ever had butterflies in your stomach? You've been nervous ever. Everybody. Raise your hand. Put them up. Yeah. Replace the butterflies with like a small jungle kitten banging around in there. I was excited about that. So we talked that night for about three or four hours, and then I did something I've never done. That Monday, I drove out to her mom and dad's house. I've never done this in my life. Uh, you know, 29 years old, I drive out to her mom and dad's house, and uh, I said, hey, I'd like to chat with you guys. I sit at the dinner table, and uh, we ate a quick meal, and then no lie, for the next three hours, I told Kurt and Brenda Vermillion, I said, hey, I'd, I'd really like to date your daughter, but before I do that, there's some things you need to know about me, and no lie, for the next two or three hours, I talked about the victories, and I talked about the failures of my life, and I want you to know I was incredibly real, raw, and transparent. And when I got through, they, they extended me this awesome grace and said, you know, we'd love for you to date Marissa. So Marissa and I, we start talking, and we start walking, and we start going out, and we're about three, four weeks into it, and I'm, 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 I'm falling in love. And I think she is too, but I knew that there was a real 
conversation that needed to happen because she knew this me. She knew the guy that comes and speaks, the guy on the sideline, the guy who takes wedding pictures. She knew this me, this public me. Uh, She knew this surface me, but she didn't know my full story. She didn't know the good with the bad. She just knew the good. And so I, I invited her over to the house. I made this huge gourmet meal. We sit down at the table. I took it right out of the microwave and we sit down. Yeah, you feel me? We sit down to eat. And, and I want you to know, I, I've spoke to thousands, crowds all over the country. And, and somebody asked me in the back, they said, are you nervous? I said, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I, I, don't, I don't usually get nervous uh, when speaking. I feel that uh, the, the, the Lord's given me a gift to share and pro- proclaim and to teach and to love. And so I feel like I'm using my gift set. That's an opportunity. There's also a huge responsibility with that. But I, I don't get nervous. I get excited. And I want you to know, as, as my wife sat at the dinner table that night, I was incredibly nervous. Because when we finished eating, I needed to tell her all about me. And so we got through eating, and she turned towards me, and I turned to her, and I began to tell her the good, the bad, the victories, the struggles, the things that you put in your bio, your intro, when you are in front of a crowd speaking, and the things that you want no one, absolutely no one to know. And I, I, I poured out to her, and I want you to know my wife is, is, is beautiful. When we got married, we said our own vows, and she like said her vows, and she was crying, and, and she was still just beautiful. I'm a guy, when I'm a crier, I get this face, you know, it's just awkward and, and ugly. So we get through, and, and she turns to me, and I turn to her, and I share for about an hour and a half, two hours, the victories, the failures. I'm just pouring it out. And I want you to know that I didn't know what her response would be. I was nervous because I didn't know if she would say, you know, Dust, thanks so much for being honest with me, but that's a little heavy. I'm going to need some time to think about this before moving on in our relationship. Or I thought that she might say, you know what? Wow, I, I didn't know you had that much baggage. I'm out. Thanks, but I'm, I'm going to pursue a different relationship. I didn't know what the answer would be, and so I get finished telling the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the ugly, and she stands up and looks at me, and I stand up and look at her, and she puts her hands right on my face. And she says, Dust, thanks so much for being honest with me. She said, I love you even more. And I said, I love you too. <laughs> right? And I want to tell you that on Wednesday, this girl right here, this is my wife. She's my partner. She's my rib. She's my girl. She's my best friend. This Wednesday, Rizzy, Rue, Ruby Doo, we celebrated three years of marriage. And three years ago, we stood under a big oak tree, invited our family and closest friends. We invited the Lord to take over our relationship, to reign and rule. And for three years, we've been surrendering every day to the Lord. We've been surrendering that we would be at his disposal and that he would do a good work through us. We've been saying, Lord, we'll die to ourselves today. We want the Holy Spirit to reign and rule in our lives. And I'm telling you, our marriage isn't perfect. No one is. No marriage is perfect. There's been tough times. There's been awesome times. I'm going to tell you, this girl and I, for the last three years, we've been celebrating what the good Lord has done in our lives, and I wanted to share that with you. Something else I want to share with you, check this out. Yeah, we haven't been eating Cheetos, guys. We're having a baby. It's okay to clap. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! That is happening. That bump right there, that's happening. We're 25 weeks pregnant. I want to tell you this. I want you to hear this. I want to tell you this. I want you to hear this. If you're confused or wondering, if you had a question, if, if God is, is still active, active creating miracles. Let me tell you, he is. If you had a question, if God's still active, 
in creating miracles. Let me tell you, for the last 26 weeks, I promise you, he is. We went to the doctor. I thought we were pregnant, and the lady put some, some gel on, on my wife's tummy, and, and she puts this screen up, and, and there's this little thing. There's this flicker. It's going like this, and, and she says, do you guys see that flicker? And I, I, this is all brand new for me. I lean forward, and I say, yeah. And she said, that's the heartbeat. And I looked at my wife, and I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How awesome is that? We went back for the 20-week where they do the full sonogram. You know, and I don't know if you've ever been to one of those by chance, but like when you go to the doc every day, they just put you in the clinic. When you go for the sonogram, they like took us in this different room. There's like waterfall music. It was dimly lighted. I didn't know if we were getting a couple's massage, right? Are going to have a sonogram. That's a true story. It was awesome. But we get in there and the lady puts some gel on her tummy and she says, you guys want to know if it's a boy or a girl, right? And we said, yeah. And she said, I'll save that for the end. We said, okay. So she started to to show the hands and the arms and the, the eyes and the nose. And, and she kind of pushed on her tummy and said, hey, I'm going to try and get, get a profile. And no, no lie, our baby, it, it, the baby did a flip, and then he did a backflip, and then his hand was going like this. My wife was like, oh, hon, he's waving. I was like, mama, he ain't waving. He's working on that J. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's working on that jumper right now. He ain't waving. Get it right. And so we got through and... and uh, we got through, and, and the lady looked at us, and she said, well, I'm, I'm happy to tell you. She said, I'm happy to tell you that, that you're having a baby boy. And I reached over and grabbed my wife's hand. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I want you to know that after that appointment, the, the doctor said, hey, you can start talking to your son. <laughs> Hello, wrong thing to say to me, right? You, you can start talking. To your, so every day, right here in the belly button, it's like the portal. I go right there. And I always say this. I always say, hello in there. I say, it's your mama and your papa. And then I say these words, and I think it's important for you to hear. And this is the part of my message that I want to ring true tonight. I say, it's your mama and your papa. And I say, and we love you. I say, we're so proud of you. We can't wait to meet you. It's your mama. It's your papa. We love you. We're so proud of you. We can't wait to meet you. I often wonder in my mind, and it's a dream I've been having. You ever dream? It's okay to dream. I have them a lot. Been having this dream of what I'm going to be like in the OR when that little man comes out. Part of me thinks I'm going to grab him and hold him up like Simba. Ah, Just me and the doctors right there. Hello, behold, Simba. Just kidding. But I often think about what will I do in the OR when that little man comes out. And I often think about what will be the first thing that I say. And it's something that I don't want to script. I want it to be real. And just in the moment and organic. But I, I think that when that little guy comes out, I think I'm going to grab him with both hands. And I think I'm going to say, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. I think the next thing I'll say is that Jesus loves you. And he made you perfect in his image. And he'll love you for a lifetime. I think that's what I'll say to that little guy when he comes out. I tell all that tonight, guys, to get into our message that there's another unbelievable story of love in this Bible. And I want to tell you that uh, no matter how much of this you know, and don't be intimidated, don't be an outsider. If you don't know any of it, don't be prideful. 
Don't be selfish if you know all of it. But I want you to know that I believe in this Bible from Genesis all the way to the maps. I believe in the whole thing. And I want you to know that I've never met my son. I've never held him in my arms. I've never seen him shoot a basketball. Never seen him take a step. Never heard him utter a single word. And I'm telling you right now, I'm already flat out in love with him. Because he's mine. And there's this awesome story in the Bible, and it's a love story. And, and it's an unbelievable sacrifice. And I got a, I got a scripture that you got to hear. And in my Bible, it's in Mark 16. I've read it so many times. I've memorized it. If you've never heard it, that's okay. But it's an awesome and powerful message in Mark 16. And understand that, that we pick up the story that Jesus... The risen God, Jesus, fully human, fully God, has been hung on a cross. He died like every one of us will, like everybody in history has. He went to a cross. He was stretched out with nails and thorns in his head. He was beat, whipped, spit, made fun of. He dragged a tree to Calvary for you and I, and he died on a cross, and they laid him in a tomb. And now we pick up the story. Three days later, Mary and Mary are on their way. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices that they may come and anoint him. Very early in the morning of the first day of the week, they're going to where they laid Jesus. They're going to where they believe he was buried. All right? And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And I'm going to tell you some good news tonight. They said this. He said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified on a cross. These next three words are so powerful. Did I make them big enough? He is risen. Let me tell you something about, about me. I'm not a biblical theologian. I didn't go to seminary but I do have the history channel. <laughs> that makes me awesome. This tomb that they laid Jesus in, it's not, you know, it's not something like today under the ground. It's a big cave, and it's got a huge stone in front of it. And, and biblical historians, biblical theologians understand this. They've agreed that there's one of three places that they would have buried Jesus. There's one of three places they would have laid him to rest. And you know what? All three of those tombs have in common. They're all empty. And because the tomb is empty, our life doesn't have to be. Amen? Amen. You know, we talk about Jesus as someone who came to help and someone who came to provide hope and someone to come to bring healing. And I want you to know he came to do all three of those. He came to do something else. He came to bring history. And when this guy, Jesus, went to the cross and the third day he rose again, he made history unlike anyone before or after. And it says he is risen he said, he's not here. See the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples, Peter. Let me say that again. Go tell his disciples and tell Peter, okay, that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will, be, you will see him as he has said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and they were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone. They were afraid. Now, I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused. He said, go tell the disciples. And Peter, why, why, why say Peter? Peter's a disciple. Say, like going, hey, go tell the basketball team and, and a name that's already on the basketball team. Doesn't that just encompass the basketball team? Go tell the disciples and Peter. And so we got to talk just briefly about Peter because I'm going to tell you, I feel a lot like Peter. 
a lot of days. And maybe, maybe tonight you feel a little bit like Peter. Peter has a, re, a, a conversation with Jesus. And he says this, he said, Indeed, Satan has asked you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus is saying this to Peter. L- listen to what Peter says. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will crow three times by tomorrow, and you will deny you know me three times. So in layman's terms, here's what's happening. Jesus is saying, hey, my time's coming. My time is at hand. And Peter, the great declarer, says, Lord, I got your back. Everybody else, they'll fail you. They'll deny you, not me. I'm your boy. I got your back. I'll go to prison. I'll even die for you. All else will fail you, but not me. And if you understand the harmony of the Gospels, we know this. We know that Jesus is captured, and they nail him to a tree. Through his hands, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and he drags a cross to where he's going to hang on. And as he's dragging this cross, there are people, and they're whipping him, and they're spitting on him, and they're throwing stones at him, and they're beating him, and they're making fun of him. And as he drags that tree stretched out, Peter's in the crowd. And somebody says, hey, I know you. Aren't you one of of Jesus' men? Aren't you a follower of Christ? And Peter says, I don't know that, dude. I'll go to prison. I'll go to death. I got your back. I'm your boy. He says, I don't know him time one. And Jesus keeps carrying this cross. He's being whipped and beat and spit on. He's bleeding. He's being made fun of. And somebody in the crowd says, hey, I know you. You're one of Jesus's guys. I know you. You're a follower of Jesus. And Peter says, you got the wrong dude. And then a step further, and Jesus is dragging this cross that he will die on an unwarranted murder, and he's strapped to it, he's nailed to it, and at the last time, somebody says, no, 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 I know you. You're one of Jesus's men, aren't you, Peter? Peter says, I swear, I've never met the man. And then Jesus goes on a cross, and he's crucified, and he dies. And he makes history the third day, he rises again as he promised. And he starts showing himself to the disciples. And the disciples go to Thomas and they say, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. We've seen Jesus. He did what he said he would do. He died. He rose again. Thomas, we've seen this risen Jesus. And Thomas says, no, dude, not till I see the nail print in his hands, not till I see where the thorns were in his head, then I will believe. So we understand and we hear in the Bible that Jesus shows up again. And Thomas is there and he says, Thomas, woohoo, come up here, buddy. Thomas comes up and he says, hey, see where they nailed me to that tree? Hey, see where they put the crown of thorns in my head? See my feet where I was nailed, Thomas? He talks to Thomas about faith. is isn't just seeing, it's believing. He talks about faith with Thomas. And then we pick up. And several of the disciples are going fishing. In fact, the Bible says that Simon Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. These disciples, that's what they did. They were fishermen. They're out on the sea and they're fishing. And they're not catching anything. And they're fishing. And they're not catching anything. Just about the time that day breaks in the morning, they see a silhouette of a man on the shore and he yells out, throw your nets on the other side. And all of a sudden, there's a multitude of fish. And the disciples know that it's Jesus. And in my Bible, I read that the boat 
They start moving the boat towards the direction of the man on the shore. They're headed that way. They're not far from the shore. And, and, and Peter, Peter, the great declarer, the great denier, I love you. I got your back. I'm declaring it. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. The great denier, he becomes the great swimmer. It's not okay that the boat's headed in that direction. Peter jumps off the boat. He does the Michael Phelps thing, and he gets to the shore. And that guy on the shore is making breakfast, and they know it's Jesus. And they eat breakfast, and they have a conversation. As I thought about Peter, I thought about these words. He's a liar. He's a coward. He's selfish. He's two-faced. He's fear-filled. He's the great declarer. He's impulsive. And he turns into the great swimmer. He turns into the great swimmer. You know what Jesus says to him? It's awesome, and i got to read it. I know your generation doesn't love a lot of reading, but it's worth it. i got to read this passage. Just stay with me real quick, because it's such a phenomenal, phenomenal passage. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He asked him the first time, do you love me, Peter? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. And then he said a second time. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And it says that Peter was grieved. Peter becomes to become very emotional. And he said the third time, he said, do you love me? And Peter says this, he says, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. And you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And he goes on to tell Peter, you lived the early part of your life for you in a selfish way. In the latter part of the life, you'll live for me and it'll end gruesome. That's what he says. And he says this. And he says to Peter at the very end, he says, Peter, follow me. Peter, surrender to me and follow me. And I want to tell you, there's a big part of my life, especially in my 20s, where I was a liar. Big part of my life, in my mid-20s, I lived like a coward. Big part of my life, where I lived very selfishly, two-faced, fear-filled. What would others think of me? Am I living up to the status quo? And the Lord went and did a huge work in me about 27, 28. I had to re-surrender my life. I had to re-surrender selfish. I had to re-surrender fear-filled me to the Lord. And I want you to know this. I don't know how big your butt is, but your butt is not too big for God. Oh, I follow him. I like the speaker today. I believe what he said. I heard the scriptures. I follow him. But, you know, I got this baggage with me. So you don't know me. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know what I've been into. See, I would do this, I would surrender to Christ, but, you know, I've been, I've been pretty poor in some past relationships, and surely he wouldn't want me. I would do this, but, I'm saying this, I don't know what your butt is, I don't know how big your butt is, but your butt is not too big for Jesus. And he's begging you to jump off the boat. He's begging you to surrender what's going on to him. Guys, Jesus, he wants to love you. That's why he sent his only son. We've got about five minutes. We'll wrap up here. And if you guys want to come up, man, we'd love to rock out and worship with you. Jesus wants to love you. And and I, I shared scripture tonight that he sent his only son to come to this earth, to die on a tree. People say, well, he came to die. He came to show us how to live. Folks, don't limit. Don't limit Jesus. He came to do it all.
Show us how to live. Show us how to die and everywhere in between. Jesus wants to love you. Jesus wants to lead you. But you can't, he can't lead you if you don't surrender. You think that's easy? When I talk about my mid-20s, and just so you know, when I was fear-filled, I would never utter what I'm getting ready to say because I think you think less of me. When I was fear-filled and living like a coward, I would never talk about the things that I've gone through because I think, well, maybe you wouldn't like me. Maybe you wouldn't think as highly of me. And I'm going to tell you now, when I surrender, then I don't have fear. I only fear not being as disposed. You think it's easy at 27 to surrender a life of selfishness? Messing with pornography, not being faithful in relationships, sexual sin. Think that's easy? 27, I had to look inward and say, man, I got to change some things in my life. I remember a, a, a speaker and I was a junior in college. He said, men, it was an all men's retreat. He said, start praying that your wife's the only woman in the bedroom you see. And I laughed at that. I scoffed at it. And I'll tell you, at 27, 28, I began to turn that piece that part of my life over to the Lord. And I said, Lord, make me new again. But I want to surrender this to you. I want to be in right relationships as I move forward. Lord, I'm going to give this peace to you, selfish me. I'm going to give this to you. And I want to tell you this, I'm 33 years old. I just celebrated my third year of marriage. And I'm going to tell you that beautiful and sexy to me is five, five, brown eyes, brown hair. Her name's Marissa, Rizzy, Rue, Ruby, Doo, and she's the only woman I see in the bedroom. I'm going to tell you, I gave that to the Lord. I surrender. He made me whole again. And I'm telling you, he can make you whole again too. I'm telling you that there's some tough stuff that you're going to go through. My mom and dad are here tonight. I grew up in the wealthiest household in America. We made no money. My mom and dad are barbers by day, janitors at night, so I could go to a school just like you, a place like this, a private Christian education that we couldn't really afford. And they said, you dream it, we'll make it happen. And there was a time in my young 20s that I thought I'm going to retire my mom and dad. I always had this dream. I'd bring home this big shoebox and say, hey, you're done working. But I had to surrender that to the Lord because he needed me to coach 15 guys every year right now. He needed me to walk and love on and pray and minister and disciple 15 guys from all over the country as a coach. And I'm going to tell you, last year I'm laying in bed Two days after Christmas, and I get a call from our best player in Austin from an all-crip neighborhood. He said, Coach, you'll never guess what just happened to me. He said, I gave my life to the Lord. My wife and I just wept. The next day, he sent me a, 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 an iPhone video of him standing in a hot tub, and he got baptized. And that was even better than retiring, my folks, at a young age. The Lord needed me to go to work, and I had to surrender selfish me and say, Hey, I'm, I'll be at your disposal. I'm asking you tonight. I've surrendered. Will you? I'm asking you tonight. What'd you bring in? What's your excuse? What won't you lay at his feet? What won't you jump off the boat and give it to him? And let me say this to you in case you've heard it wrong, that living a life for Christ, it is not easy. Just understand that if you say tonight, hey, I want to surrender this to my, my Lord and Savior, that when you walk out the door, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The commitment of salvation in Christ isn't that it's easy. It may be way tougher. But I'll tell you, letting him rule and reign in your life, it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. Young people, if there's one thing I can tell you is this. Fear, fears community. 
You've got something brewing. You've got something you're working on. The only reason you're not surrendering it is because you're fearful of it. You're going to keep it to you, just yourself. Nah, fear fears this. Us being in community together. Us worshiping together. Us going to one another and being real, raw, and transparent. Saying, hey, I'm not big enough for this. I need my team. I need my friends. I need other believers to walk with me. For some of you who don't know the Lord tonight, I'm going to pray. And if you want to have a birthday today, oh my. Oh my. How awesome. I'll just let the Holy Spirit not just be by you, not just hug you. I hope he'll rock your world tonight. That you can start new. If you're someone you know the Lord, but you walked in like me, a liar, two-faced, a coward, how you're living this surface life, but you got some stuff that's selfish you, just won't give up, fearful you. If you only knew, he already knows. I've never held my son, and I love him. I've never seen him shoot a ball, and I'm flat out in love with him. He's never taken a step. He's never said a word, and I love him because he's mine. Because he's mine. He comes out 6'5 or 8 pounds. He comes out with muscles. He comes out weak. He comes out strong. I don't care. I love him because he's mine. Don't you know you're loved tonight? Don't you know that Jesus is saying the same thing? I didn't make no mistakes on you. I made you tailor-made in my image with gifts and talents, and I need you. I implore you to be an ambassador. And Dad Burnett, I love you because you're mine. Won't you surrender tonight? Be an awesome opportunity. Pray with me. Lord, we love you. Lord, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share tonight. Lord, if there's someone in the room tonight that don't know your son Jesus, that their Lord is and personal Savior, if they don't know Jesus as their Savior, but they want to start new tonight, Lord, if they'd like to accept your son, I pray that they would say these words. Lord, I've heard about your son, Jesus. I've heard that he went to a cross and that he died for my sins. And I believe the third day he rose again. And Lord, not out of fear, but out of anticipation. I want a, I want a real relationship with that Jesus. Lord, I'd like you to come into my life and save me tonight. I want to start fresh. I want to start new. Lord, I want, to, I want you to come into my life and take over. I want to get saved tonight. I want to start new. Lord, for some of us, we've made that surrender. We've said those words. We believe in your son, Jesus. We know the story. But Lord, we walked in here and our excuse seems pretty heavy. We walked in here and we, we are some of those things that Peter was selfish and cowardly and fear-filled. Lord, as some of the young people in here tonight, they need to surrender some things to you. They need to drop it at your feet. And I pray they'll have the courage to be at your disposal. I pray that they would surrender that right now. Just give it to you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for three years as the head of our marriage. I thank you for three years of surrendering every single day to you. Lord, I love my son. Haven't met him. Haven't held him. But I love him. And I thank you for still being active in miracles and creation. Lord, I pray for a healthy boy in November. Lord, 
we love you. We know you love us. And there's nothing we can do about that. Lord, I surrender. Lord, I pray that you'll come in right now to every single person. I pray that you'll fill their heart, their spirit. Lord, I pray you'll rock their world. We love you. Amen.